Hello and welcome to the Fairview Knox Church Prophecy Update podcast series, a series totally dedicated to looking at today's news and events through the lens of biblical prophecy. And now, let's turn it over to your host and the lead pastor at Fairview Knox Church, Jeff Laborde. Well, thank you, Jeremy, and welcome everyone to our Prophecy Update for this week. And I want to say to you uh, in my uh, Tennessee native language, Gama, Hatima, Tova. Well, something like that anyway. That means, quite literally in the Hebrew tongue, may you be sealed in the book of life. It's the greeting for Yom Kippur, which is taking place right now as I'm recording today's prophecy update. In Israel, they are celebrating uh, one of the highest holy days of the seven that are prescribed in the Bible in Leviticus chapter 23, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, very somber, a, a day of deep introspection. They've just come out of, as you remember out of our last prophecy update, the Feast of Tabernacles, and uh, going into the ten awesome days, and now the new year, uh, which is 5782, 5,782 years ago, the Jews believe by revelation and instruction, uh, both oral and uh, law and the Septuagint, that 5,782 years ago, God caused the dust to dance. Literally, he breathed, ruach into Adam there on the creation stone that rests under that gold dome building that you see on the news so often uh, there on the Temple Mount, the very location where God not only created Adam, but the Garden of Eden, and we believe according to the Word of God that uh, in the Millennial Kingdom, that's where Eden will return. That's where Jerusalem and Jesus Christ, the Messiah, will rule for 1,000 years. As they close out the Yom Kippur uh, tomorrow, they'll be heading in uh, next week to the last of the fall feast, the last of the seven also, which is the Feast of Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a preview. It's a picture. It's a shadow type of the millennial kingdom when we will literally, God will be with his people, and we will be his, and he will rule. Jesus Christ will rule. Israel will have the fullness of the Abrahamic covenant, both in land and under the lordship of Yahshua Messiah. So having said all of that, um, I want to thank you again for being a part of this podcast. I want to give you three biblical perspectives that I, I, I am convinced in my heart are urgent for this moment. And as we get closer to the, um, to the harpazo, that snatching away the rapture of the church, beloved, I want you to understand you've got to stay in the Word of God because it, the closer we get to Jesus Christ coming to get His bride in the rapture, the more stirred up demonically the darker it's going to get because the enemy, Revelation chapter 12, tells us that, that the enemy, Lucifer, the devil, he knows, he's got a keen understanding of how late it is and how close the end ultimately for him uh, is approaching quickly. And that's why you sense what you do, beloved, in your spirit, that heaviness, that foreboding, uh, as we've all heard, and we're not going back to normal. Normal is not coming back but Jesus Christ is. And if you're a child of the King, I want to encourage you, beloved, don't be anxious for anything, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, make your requests be made known unto God with thanksgiving. 
rejoice that you've been privileged to live in these last days. The harvest is white. It's ready to be reaped. There's never been a greater time to share your faith. The world is hungry to hear that there is hope in the midst of all of this chaos. Well, having said that, I want to share with you something that really, I think, illustrates what's happening in the life of so many as they seek to return to normal instead of operate under the leadership of the Holy Spirit in these last days when the Spirit and the bride are crying in our hearts. You know, when you got saved, you were sealed under the day of redemption. Now, you were redeemed at Calvary. That's a settled, done fact in the heart and the mind of God the Father. You were the moment that you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You were redeemed. That sin debt has been paid. So when the Bible talks about being sealed unto the day of redemption, it's not talking about our day of salvation, the penalty of sin. It's talking about the day when this body, this house of clay that suffers from sickness and sorrow and depression and despondency, that's our day of physical, spiritual redemption. We drop this bag of bones and we get our resurrection body to go home to live with our Lord, our bridegroom forevermore. But so many right now have been distanced from their faith family. They've been isolated from their corporate worship. Many families are being torn asunder, uh, debating whether to get the vaccine, not to get the vaccine. Politics are dividing our hearts, our homes, and our nation. And so many right now are isolated with no hope. I heard a story, a true story, that was related by an an older gentleman uh, that was an eyewitness to what took place in Germany. And I'm going to read, so bear with me for just a moment. And I want you to listen to what this old gentleman uh, gave by way of a testimony years after the atrocity in Germany under the Nazis that sought to ultimately extinguish the Jewish people. Uh, and certainly killed over six million. This is what he said. I I lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. I considered myself a Christian. I attended uh, church since I was a small boy. We'd heard the stories of what was happening to the Jews, but like most people today in this country, we tried to distance ourselves from the reality of what was really taking place. What could anyone really do to stop it anyway? There was a railroad track, behind the church that I attended as a little boy. And each Sunday, we would hear the whistle from a distance and then the clacking of the wheels moving over the train track. We became disturbed when one Sunday we noticed cries coming from the train cars as they passed by. We grimly realized that the trains were carrying Jews. Like cattle shoved in cars, they were crammed hanging out of the the sides of the train cars. Week after week, that train whistle would blow. We would dread to hear the sounds of those old wheels because we knew that the Jews would begin to cry out to us as they passed by our church. It was so terribly disturbing. We could do nothing to help those poor, miserable people, yet their screams tormented us. We knew exactly at what time that whistle would blow every Sunday, and we decided The only way to keep from being so disturbed by the cries was to start singing our hymns. 
By the time the train came rumbling past the churchyard, we were singing at the top of our voices. If some of the screams reached our ears, we just sang a little louder until we could hear them no more. Years have passed. No one talks about it much anymore. But I can still hear that train whistle in my sleep. I can still hear the crying out of those people for help. God forgive all of us who called ourselves Christians, yet we did nothing to intervene. Their screams tormented us. If some of their screams reached our ears, we just sang a little louder. Now, beloved, I know that's heavy, and I understand that that weighs deeply on each and every one of us. I want to say to you that there are many people in our society, in your circle of influence, perhaps even in your home, that are crying out for hope, crying out for help. And the sad reality is that many don't even deal with biblical prophecy because it's considered to, to be too controversial. I want to encourage you today. I'm going to show you three or four different places very quickly from the Word of God that I believe are not only on the calendar of God, I believe they are imminent. In, in the fact that we are going to see some of these things come to pass. Uh, number one, I want to share with you Jeremiah chapter 30, uh, chapter 49, verses 34 through 39. Now, this is a prophecy that concerns the nation of Iran. And if you're keeping up with anything that's going on out of Jerusalem, out of Israel, if you're watching alternative news, now, beloved, you won't find this in mainstream news. They will not tell you what's going on in Iran with the prolific, um, the proliferation of, of new nuclear weapons that's coming about. Iran is just weeks, according to their minister of defense, they are just merely weeks from possessing nuclear capacity. And they have said multiple times that their, their one goal is to destroy Israel with nuclear capacity. There is a prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 49 that I believe we could well be on the brink of watching come to pass. I'm going to read just a little bit of it uh, to set the tenor and the tone, but I want you to go back to Jeremiah chapter 49, and I want you to look. Don't take my words. You be a Berean, because I believe that in the weeks to come, Israel is going to have to make a strategic decision with no support, and it breaks my heart that in all probability, there won't be much, if any, support, even from the United States of America and our government. The prophet Jeremiah says this. It's called a judgment on Elam, the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, the prophet against Elam. Now, this is in, this is in Iran. This would be in the southwestern part of Iran, down on the Persian Gulf, and it is one of their major nuclear research and development sites in that in that region. Listen to the prophet. In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, so he gives us the timeline. This is the prophecy that he's giving to us that I believe is in our probably immediate future if something doesn't happen. Behold, I, I will break the bow of Elam, the foremost of their might. Against Elam, I will bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven. And scatter them toward all those winds. There shall be no nation where the outcast of Elam will not go. Now, beloved Jeremiah is using his prophecy concerning Elam, which was written about 596, but it's it's a 
future understanding of what he knew as the nation of Persia, which was one of the greatest, most powerful, inventive, um, technologically savvy people that have ever existed. Even the Romans never could overthrow uh, the Persians. They got to their doorstep, but the Persians were just too militarily superior. Here's what I want you to take away, and I want you to watch. Take the Bible to the headlines that are coming if something doesn't happen and Iran doesn't either relent, which I don't believe they will, nothing nothing even intimates that they're going to back off of building, uh, they're on the brink of possessing major nuclear weapons. Jeremiah informs us that this attack against this ancient territory that he calls Elam, which is modern-day Iran, it's to the southwest, remember, down on the Persian uh, Gulf, where they're bringing in and out uh, major. Russia is underwriting this. They're giving major technology, the delivery system. China is involved in this. Jeremiah says, I will cause Elam to be dismayed before their enemies. Now, their enemies are twofold. It's not only Israel, but Iran is made up of a, of a minority of, of Muslims that are called Shiites. They only make up about 20% of the total Muslim world because of the Sunnis that are predominant. They're about 80% of all Muslims in the, in the world, uh, predominantly out of Saudi Arabia. Um, they're constantly at war. Uh, that's in a different direction, and we're going to go with prophecy update today. What I want you to do is I want you to study and look at this prophecy. And here's one of the things I want you to take away from the fact that this prophecy that was that was written 500 and some odd years before the birth of our Savior that has never come to pass is on the brink of, of coming to pass because this is where Iran is developing their nuclear capacity. Now, I want you to notice what, the, what he said. I'm going to break the bow. That's, that's the delivery system. What he's talking about is I'm going to render them ineffective to deliver the death blow of nuclear capacity against Israel. He also says, and this, this plays so precisely into the prophecy in verse 38, he gives them a word of hope because he says they're going to be scattered to the four ends of the earth. But he also says that I will set my throne in Elam. I will destroy from there the kings and the princes, but it shall come to pass in latter days. I will bring back the captives of Elam. And he gives them hope. Now, let me tell you why this is so incredibly precise. God's word is never vague, ambiguous. It's never 20% on. Beloved, it is 100% every time. He says very specifically, he gives them hope that not only will they be scattered, which is in contemporary language, um, you, this is nuclear. There, when he says that all four winds, this is nuclear fallout. That area... If they, if Israel hits the way that their technology will allow them, and it destroys the nuclear warheads in that area, that area will become uninhabitable, which is exactly what Jeremiah said. But he also says that in his fierce angers, he sends a sword among them to consume them, that it will come to pass that he will also have mercy He's talking about those who are believers. Do you know that the fastest-growing evangelical church, the fastest-growing church in the world right now, is in Iran, according to every major leading research uh, 
salvation church growth uh, entity. Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population. So out of the midst of this agony, God protecting his people, he's also going to provide mercy. And there's no telling in, in the weeks to come what we are going to see, not only in, in the midst of that, but in the midst of God glorifying his name and spreading the gospel. Now, here's the second prophecy I want you to consider, because as this takes place, there is a prophecy out of Psalm 83 that is yet to be fulfilled. It's the inner circle of enemies. And as you look at Psalm 83, I'm going to read the first few verses to set the tenor and the tone. Verse 1, O God, do not keep silent. Do not hold your peace or be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have raised their heads. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones. Now listen to verse 4. They say, Come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. Beloved, this is a... um, a prophecy that is yet to come to pass. Obviously, Israel's back in the land. It could not have been fulfilled prior to uh, 1948. Uh, It has obviously never been fulfilled in its geographical fullness, because if you look at this, this is the inner circle. Every one of the nations that are named in the following verses have a border with Israel by virtue of the covenant of the land. Israel is going to prevail. There's no question because God is going to arise. He will give Israel victory. We've seen that through the Iron Dome, through their technology. You know, we're watching in America right now, beloved, as we see the, our infrastructure disintegrating. Our dollar is, is waning. Inflation is on the horizon. We are weakening every day as, as a global entity and military power. This is not accidental. This is prophetic. So what you're seeing out of these prophecies, Iran with great hubris is developing. They've refused to have any accountability. And here's the sorrow. This isn't a political statement, beloved. This is just a matter of fact. The hundreds of billions of dollars that they're using to acquire the technology and the military delivery system from China and Russia, they paid with money that previous administrations sent to them in order to be able to build these systems. This is giving great hubris to their enemies, to Israel's enemies on her border. You're seeing a rise of these nations that are named in Psalm 83. They are rattling the saber because they know that America is is weaker than she's Personally, I've ever seen her. Many uh, that know far better than I do prophetically are telling me there's never been a time when our enemies have been more emboldened because of the mixed messages that we're sending. So you have on one hand, Jeremiah 49 unfolding before us. You have Psalm 83 with those nations and that confederation that is rising with great hubris. And then here's the last one that I want you to study. And this, this would be out of Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, and in Isaiah chapter 17. Isaiah 17 is a prophecy that deals with Damascus, which is due north of Israel in in the nation um, of Syria. So as you study and look for Damascus, Isaiah 17 says that there is a prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. We know this because 
it says that Damascus will be destroyed to never be inhabited again. So if you take Jeremiah 49, that's nuclear language. Psalm 83, which Israel prevails, meaning that not only will she never give up another inch of land, she's actually probably going to acquire more of her biblical right in the area and expand her authority and her presence because she's going to prevail in the Psalm 83 war. I suspect that out of that, you're going to see some of the Isaiah 17 prophecy with Damascus, and then you're going to see at some point in time. In fact, let me say it this way. I pray you do not see it. Because I personally believe that that the war of Ezekiel 38 that deals with Gog, which is a demonic personality, and Magog, which, which is a national entity, a geographical entity, I believe that takes place. Now, we, you know, we're not going to uh, fuss over this. We're not going to in any way break fellowship. But I think if you lay it out because of the timeline, because once that invasion takes place, why are they invading in Ezekiel 38? Why is that nation led of Gog coming in to plunder? I think partly because when the Psalm 83 war is over, number one, they will render, they they will not allow Iran to acquire nuclear capacity because they know that Iran will destroy, they will nuke Israel. So we know that's that's not going to be permitted. The if, the when, the how, we don't know. That's conjecture. So I'm just telling you, pray for Israel. Pray for the peace of Israel. We are commanded to do that because they are living literally in the shadow of nuclear extermination. Secondly, that Psalm 83 war, so much of the land that they've not been allowed to take back biblically, as they take it back out of that Psalm 83 war, they they already have over a trillion dollars in natural gas resources. That doesn't include their crude oil. It doesn't uh, it doesn't uh, include their minerals and the things that they have that are in the hundreds of billions of dollars in natural resources. In that Ezekiel thirty eight war, which I believe happens after the rapture. Number one, America's not mentioned by any stretch. Now, uh, the Sudan is. Jordan is. They protest. They don't participate, but they say, what What are you doing? But there's no protest, as best we can tell from Scripture, that even indicates that America rises up to protect or protest. Seven months after that war, which God intervenes, it takes seven months to clean up after that war. Then, only those who are specifically trained, read the text, do not take my word for it. They bring in specialists that mark the graves of those who are killed in that Ezekiel 38 invasion. And it takes another seven months uh, as they take the remains and bury them to the east of the Dead Sea. Now, quite literally, what that's saying is there, this is nuclear fallout language. As the, as the winds blow, they blow to the east down to the Dead Sea so that the remains of that war so even the language says if someone is walking through that area, which is a now considered a graveyard, they don't touch the remains or anything from the war. They have to call someone to come take care of it. I know this is a little bit of conjecture. You do your homework. I'm simply saying this to you. Everything we're seeing unfold from the Word of God, from Iran getting a nuclear weapon, 
Jeremiah 49. It names the very region that Israel's looking at. Psalm 83, as her enemies began to rise because Israel is, is being left out on her own. As you watch the unfolding of all of this, and you see the Isaiah 17 prophecy, you get to the Ezekiel 38 and 39 invasions, which again, I believe is after the rapture. Doesn't matter when it is. It's in the word of God. I simply am encouraging to do this in this week's prophecy update. Study the word of God yourself. Take these passages. Do not take my word for this. And as you see the days unfold, because we are in the birth pains of Jacob, the water has broken, beloved, and soon and very soon, this thing's coming quickly, just like the birth of a child. You wait and you wait, and then out of nowhere, the water breaks and the baby's here. Beloved, we are that generation. Lift up your head. Stay in the Word of God. Don't panic. Pray. Don't worry. Celebrate. Share your faith in these last days. I pray you'll take your copy of God's Word. Look at these passages that I've shared with you today and be encouraged that God in heaven is still on the throne and Jesus is about to come back and get his bride. Maranatha, beloved, keep looking up. Well, thank you for joining us today on the Fairview Knox Church Podcast Prophecy Series. We pray it provides you not only with knowledge, but also peace from the Word of God. If you do not know Jesus today, it is not too late. The Father loved each and every one of us so much that He sent Jesus, His only Son, to the earth on a rescue mission for us. If we will confess and ask God to forgive us of our sins, if we will accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, not for anything that we have done or earned, but because of everything that He did on the cross and through His resurrection, and if we will make Him our Lord and follow Him in each step of our daily life to make His fame and His renown known to the world, then we will be saved. Saying these words alone does not save you. But believing by faith that He is real and stepping out to turn away from your sin and toward the Father will. If that is you today and you are making that profession today, we are rejoicing with you. All of heaven is rejoicing. We are so excited. We want you to let us know because we want to come alongside of you and help you get started on your walk. Um, You can email us at salvation at fairviewknox.com. Hey, stay tuned each Sunday as we live stream our worship experiences at 1045 a.m. Eastern Time at FairviewKnox.com. And if you're ever close to Knoxville, we would love for you to drop by and join us. Have a great day.